In Southeast Agnet Sag and Review for the week ending May 22nd, this past Wednesday, the House Ag Committee approved H.R. 2393, a bill to amend the Agriculture Marketing Act of 1946 by a recorded vote of 38 to 6. A combination of 68 Democrats and Republicans joined Chairman Michael Conaway in introducing this bipartisan bill that effectively will repeal country of origin labeling requirements for beef, pork, and chicken while leaving intact the requirements for all other covered commodities. This action took place because the World Trade Organization, for the fourth time, ruled against U.S. mandatory country of origin labeling. Now, the National Pork Producers Council and National Cattlemen's Beef Association have been asking Congress to repeal COOL as they want Congress to act before the expected tariff retaliation by Canada and Mexico. Now, there are some ag lawmakers and farm groups that argue Americans have a right to know where their meat comes from, and that can help sell more U.S.-produced meat. But MPPC spokesman Dave Warner says several studies refute that claim. USDA's studies of a voluntary program showed the labeling didn't make any difference. People go into the grocery store and when they buy meat, they look at price and quality. Warner says the U.S. pork industry has long been opposed to the extra cost of labeling and argues it's time for Congress to act. We are asking Congress to at least repeal the labeling provisions for beef and pork. That was specifically what the the Canadians and the the Mexicans had taken to the WTO in their complaint, saying that this discriminated against their cattle being shipped into the United States and Canada pigs. NCBA's Colin Woodall agrees that Congress should repeal COOL to meet WTO requirements and avoid retaliation. We've got to fix it before it gets to retaliation. COOL repeal is the only way to prevent us from getting hurt even more than we already have by COOL. And in comments made to reporters this week, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack also believes it's up to Congress. Congress has got to fix this problem. They either have to repeal COOL or they have to modify it and amend it to create some sort of generic label. It's up to Congress to figure out what to do. Well, in other news, each week at this time of the year, USDA's National Agriculture Statistics Service puts out their Crop Progress and Condition and Weather Report. Jim Ewing, director for the Southern Region for NAS, based in Athens, Georgia, explains how they put this report together. We talk to the cooperative extension agents. They send us a report in. We compile that data every week, put that out each Monday for the growing season. And that goes on in South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama as well. So all four states. Ewing says this weekly report includes a lot of information. This shows planting progress or crop progress and condition reports, the official title. So it shows what the condition is of the commodities. It also shows what the weekly weather has been. And then so you can track the planting progress and then is the uh, crops mature, you can see how they're maturing, how they're heading, how they're ripening. And at the end of the season, it actually shows percent harvest. Now, this information can be found every Monday on the NAS website. But a quick note, being next Monday is a holiday, as part of their normal holiday weekend protocol, NAS will release next week's crop progress report on Tuesday, May 26th at 4 p.m. instead of on Monday. Well, Tyron Spearman has a reminder for farmers about a June 1st deadline that's coming up. Farmers have about another week to file that conservation compliance form called AD 1020. June the 1st is the deadline. If you're participating in any USDA benefits, that form must be filed. That includes loans, disaster assistance, federal crop insurance premiums, and conservation assistance. You must comply with this requirement for highly erodible lands and wetlands. The purpose of this conservation compliance, they said, is to reduce soil loss on erosion-prone lands and protect wetlands. So, farmers, this is your reminder. you got a week to go. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. 
Everett Greiner had a story this week about another destructive imported insect. Same story, different chapter. Another destructive imported insect. It's the red palm weevil, which can destroy date palm trees. doesn't have widespread implications, but it's a costly problem to California's date palm farmers. And yes, it came from Southeast Asia. The creature is a threat to all palms anywhere, including those used in home landscaping. Once they attack, the female lays eggs in a hole which it has bored. Then in three to four days, the young worms begin to infest the whole tree. If left untreated, the tree dies. Troublesome, but controllable, like dozens of other imported insects. They've been here four and a half years now, and they've already cost millions of dollars to control. But the true tragedy here is it was brought here like a lot of other insects that plague our farmers. That's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. And with the Memorial Day holiday weekend here, we wrap up this week's podcast with Kathy Isom brushing us up on safety before our next backyard barbecue. The sweet sizzling sounds of food on the grill will be plentiful this holiday weekend. It's also a good time to brush up on safety when it comes to preparing for your outdoor feasts. We enlisted some help from Marion Gravely with the USDA's Meat and Poultry Hotline. She says the biggest food safety mistake most of us will make when we grill is cross-contamination. Which would be if you are carrying a plate of raw chicken or raw hamburgers to the grill, then you cook the whatever it is you're cooking and then if you were to put that back on the same plate. Gravely suggests using separate plates, one for the raw food and one for cooked food. And when the food is already on the grill, Gravely reminds us to remember the meat thermometer. The only way to know if you've cooked something thoroughly is to use a meat thermometer. You can't tell by looking. It will also let us know if the temperature is high enough so that the heat will kill any bacteria that may be there. For burgers, no matter what you think you see, the center of that patty should reach 160 degrees. Another big no no from backyard barbecues is actually what happens after the food is ready to eat. Leaving food out too long. Normally we would say never leave food out for more than two hours, but in the summertime when it's hot, foods should not sit out for more than one hour. For other helpful tips or questions, call the Meat and Poultry Hotline at 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. Of course, those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.